if, off the top of my head, I was asked to pick a holiday that was deeply tied to fear, (laughs) I would most likely choose Halloween. Makes sense, right? Scary monsters, witches, skeletons, black cats, general spookiness. But when you think about those passages that you've just heard from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke from which we derive the stories of Christmas, those passages might convince me that Christmas too has a lot to do with being afraid. Over and over the angels are saying, don't be afraid, or in the words of the King James translation, fear not. Fear not, Mary. Fear not, Joseph, son of David. Fear not, shepherds. Fear not. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, sticking strictly to the stories, these folks are understandably afraid because being visited by an angel can likely be rather startling. But you see, I don't think the angel meant don't be afraid only in that sense. Joseph, Mary, the shepherds were already afraid. They couldn't not feel what they already felt. I also think the angel may have been saying something more than don't be afraid any longer. Although that was certainly a part of it. You are afraid, but do not be afraid any longer. In other words, the fear that you are feeling is unnecessary. You don't need to continue feeling afraid. But there is, for me, a wider, deeper message. Fear is a primary motivation for human behavior. It is a survival mechanism. It runs across all ages and cultures and contexts. No matter what age we are or where we are or who we are, we are at some point afraid. One of the problems with fear is that it can be triggered by many things that are not real threats. I'm afraid of what other people may think of me. I'm afraid of not doing well in school or at work or in relationships. I'm afraid of not measuring up or of falling down. I'm afraid of being myself or of not being myself or of not knowing how to be myself. And when I am afraid, I am not receptive. I don't make my best decisions. When I am fearful, I am not listening to you because I am listening for danger. When I am afraid, I am not willing to reach out to you because I am focused on protecting myself. When I am fearful, I am only partly here because I am poised to escape. When I am afraid, I cannot fully appreciate the present moment. I am simply trying to make it into the next moment. And even this scares me because part of what I fear is what the next moment might bring. We all experience fear. The trick is to notice it when we are feeling it. So often it occurs at a subconscious or unconscious level. I can count the number of times that I have felt that immediate, I am terrified kind of fear. 
But there is a low-level fear that runs through my life and stubbornly tries to guide my life unless I take the time to recognize it, raise it to awareness, and thus loosen its grip on me. And it is not always easy to recognize. Fear takes on many disguises, or I love to mask it, perhaps. I say to myself, well, I'm not really afraid. I'm just considering the things that could happen and interpreting the dark signs of the times and reading some dire predictions for the future and wondering where this will all lead and how it will affect me and all those whom I love. This is not really fear. It's more like worry or better yet, concern, loving concern for my son, my wife, my family and friends, concern for the continuing well-being of this congregation and each of its members, concern for my health and your health and the health of us all and the health of community and this society and the health of the earth. I am deeply concerned is all. And with all that concern, isn't one bound to worry a little? It's not fear exactly. But doesn't it feel like fear? Doesn't it catch in my throat, allowing only the shallowest of breaths as I consider what could happen? Doesn't it sit in my chest like a presence all its own, making me uneasy when I try to rest and distracted when I try to work? Doesn't it settle in my stomach like a great weight, like a rock I cannot move, like the weight of all the things over which I have no control, what people do and what they say and how they see me and how people act sometimes and my dismay over those who seem to be controlling things and my disappointment with the people who should be in control and my sadness over the hateful things that are done and the painful things that happen and my apparent inability to change things for the better and my inability to change things and my inability to change and control and shape and make better and protect and preserve and my desire for things to change and my discomfort with the way things change and why do things have to change and why doesn't change happen sooner and why can't I change what I want, what I need, why can't I protect those I love, why can't I, why can't, can't I, why? Merry Christmas. (laughs) But if we don't see the fear in this story, how afraid Mary and Joseph must have been, how afraid the shepherds must have been, how afraid the wise men, to make that journey, to stand up, to to resist the power of Herod. If we don't understand that fear, I'm not sure if we make room for the real joy. Wendell Berry captures his own silent night with these words. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night, at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. 
the wider, deeper message that I take from the angel's words over and over in these stories is don't let your fear control how you will respond in this moment. In other words, yes, you are afraid and you don't need to be afraid. And most importantly, don't let the fact that you are feeling afraid close down the possibilities available to you in this moment. Don't let fear close your mind. Don't run away afraid. Don't let fear drown out the good news that I am about to tell you. The angel every single time spoke first to the fear. The angel said, fear not. The wood drake and the great heron say, do not be afraid. The wild things and the domesticated creatures gathered around the manger do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. The still water whispers it and the stars guiding us to miracles right in the midst of it all. The day blind stars spell it out. Fear not. So my mother wrestled with her tendency to worry. She was deeply and genuinely concerned about people, about her husband and her children and grandchildren, her brothers and sisters and all their children and grandchildren, nine brothers and sisters, about the old people she worked for as a home health aide, even past the point when her old people were younger than she was, about friends and acquaintances and people she met and people she only heard about from the people she knew. She had a real love and concern that spread far and wide from her rather circumscribed life in southern Minnesota. And she also tended to worry about all sorts of things that occurred or things she was afraid might occur in people's lives. She was a faithful Christian and studied the Bible daily for well over 40 years. She was familiar with the many places where people are told by God or God's messengers not to worry, not to be afraid. And she came to especially love the words of the angels in the Christmas stories from the King James Version. Fear not. For a while, she tried to distinguish her concern from worry but she came to understand that this was only wordplay. She wanted to take what she read in the Bible seriously. She felt that God called her to let go of worry. She didn't ever completely kick the habit, of course, but she got better and better at catching herself as she started that spiral into worry and fear giving voice to her fears about things that could happen, she would sometimes stop in mid-sentence and smile a little or shake her head and repeat the angel's words. Fear not. Fear not. Back in November of 2012, the first year I served as minister here, I was visiting my mother in a hospital in Mankato, Minnesota, along with my two brothers, and my sister-in-law. My mom was very ill with heart trouble, had been awake and alert earlier in the day, and had had quite a few other family members visiting 
and now she was asleep. We all decided we would go grab something to eat and we were walking quietly out of the room. I was the last one out when I glanced back and I saw my mom's eyelids blink and slowly open. I went back to the bed to tell her that we were just going to get something to eat and would be right back. I didn't want her to wake up and worry about where we had gone. A faint smile appeared on her face and she said her voice had gone hoarse at this point and so it came out as a whisper. She said, fear not. And she repeated it, fear not. I squeezed her hand, said we'd be back shortly and went to catch up with my brothers and sister-in-law. We ate and came back to the hospital where my mother was asleep again. I had offered to stay that night at the hospital, so soon my brothers and sister-in-law left to get some sleep at my mother's place. And not too long after, I lay down on a couch in the family waiting room to get some sleep. A nurse woke me after I had been asleep a little over an hour to tell me that my mother had died. It wasn't until the next day that I realized that my mother's last words to me, quite possibly her last words to anyone, were fear not. So now, when despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I remember my mother's words. I hear it the angel's words. I feel the peace of wild things, of all that is beyond my control. And for a time, I rest in the grace of the world and I am free. Fear not. And Merry Christmas. Christmas.